Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to another episode of My Sister Made Me Feel... I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that voice all the way through. Welcome to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, Megan's Choice, currently covering The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. And oh boy, we are getting so close to the end of this book. It's very exciting. In this week's episode, we cover the Battle of the Tower. And I actually recorded Emily's reaction to it. (laughs) But there was one bit where we got into an argument as she was reading. And she did a quick little edit of that set to music that will be a tiny bonus at the end of today's episode. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the rest of the recording, but I'll think of a I'll think of a fun way to share it with everyone. As a heads up, as we do wind down this book, we are going to have a Warbreaker special in between books one and two. So we're not going to do Warbreaker uh, piece by piece the way we did Way of Kings. Emily texted me this morning. She finally finished the book today. And we are going to do a Warbreaker special episode with me, Emily, and friend of the pod, Ted. Isn't that exciting? So this is your heads up now to start your Warbreaker refresher or first read through because we're just going to sit down and have a book club type episode where we just talk about Warbreaker for a little special because Emily actually said, she's like, I want to read Words of Radiance. Do not make me wade through Warbreaker. So I said, okay, we'll do it all in one go. But for now, sit back, relax, grab a drink, grab a snack, and enjoy Emily and I talking through her first read-through of The Battle of the Tower. Take it away, theme song. Welcome to My Sister May Me View It, covering Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings. Chapters 66, 67, and 68. In these these chapters, I I very kindly let Emily skip a major character death. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I'm going to describe it to you in great detail on this episode. I might leave for that part. No, you need to know. I don't. I do. You don't me. Wow. Hey, Emily. Ah! It was so good. Oh, you guys, this is the best thing I've ever read. <laughs> so, it was so good. So you liked the Branderland. I huh? love the Branderland. Sorry, I'm going to be yelling a lot, you guys. I apologize. I'm going to work really hard not to, but maybe we can give you like a pillow to throw in your mouth or whatever. <laughs> uh, Emily, how many notes did you take? Zero. Absolutely there not. Are no notes. I just sat and read the whole thing. And I just finished, so we're going to go back and read it. I tried not to skip ahead. I really did. I think I got most of it, but. Um, so I very sneakily pointed the microphone at Emily. You did. So we, I recorded her reactions. <laughs> and then we got into a huge fight because apparently Emily doesn't like how... I imagine Kaladin. That's him. not what I was upset about. You were upset that I said he had muscles, and then you had like a meltdown. That I was in the middle of reading this battle of the Branderlands, and you made me stop and be like, "No, you have to picture him differently." I don't. Why would I have done that? <laughs> That's what 
Oh my gosh, we were making a Star Wars joke, and Emily's like, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Because Kaladin's a shorty! And I offhandedly said, oh no, he's very tall, and Emily goes, what? I'm so upset about that, I'm so upset that... Not upset. That's that's not what I mean. He's young, but he's not tiny. I know he's not. That's not. I'm not saying he's like a shrimpy twelve year old. I'm saying he's a normal sized person. He's a big boy. He's normal sized. He's a freak. <laughs> Super freak. Super freak. <laughs> he is large in stature. Since when? Since he hit puberty, I guess. I Brandon doesn't tell me when people are married. Doesn't tell me about. Oh no, Meg's got receipts. They describe him. <laughs> they describe him. He is tall. He's normal. And broad. Listen, that was the hardest part is I was in the middle of a battle and I have very clearly and firmly what I think he looks like and all of a sudden I'm being made to stop in the middle of a battle and picture this new person who's doing Kaladin stuff, but it's not Kaladin. It was very weird and off-putting. More proof Emily doesn't have a good imagination. <laughs> I was in a zone, and I got pulled out of the zone eight times by Megan going, look at this picture. This is what he looks like. All right. <clears throat> a man walked up through the ranks carrying a short spear that had two leather knife sheaths strapped to the haft. The newcomer was a young man, perhaps four years older than Sense 15, but he was taller by several fingers than even Dalit. So he's the tallest boy I don't know who tall Dalit is. Okay, I think by the use of the word even Dalit... Would suggest that Dalit is quite tall. He's an outlier. And Brandon, this is the one complaint I have about this book. Kaladin's height. His black Alephi hair. Yeah, and Kaladin is definitely was shoulder length and dirty wavy. blonde. No. Yes. No. He's this color. No. Yes. Kaladin has dark black Alephi hair. That is not how I've been pictured him. He's got short hair. He does not have short hair. Not like a buzz cut. But it's like... to his shoulders. Listen, this is my this is fault. This is the hill I'm going to die off This tonight. is my fault. I didn't describe Kaladin better. Let's talk a little bit about what the Alethi look like. I know what the Alethi look like. Do you? Okay, so, um, I'm so upset right did now. You know, I'm so upset. Did you know that Seth is the only white man in this book? <laughs> I, uh, listen, I accept that. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not saying Kaladin is a surfer dude <laughs> with platinum blonde hair. Or anything like that. I just have been picturing him a different way. And it was the middle of the climactic scene. And you're like, picture him differently. And I'm like, your timing could have been a lot better. Sorry. I'm, I've read over a thousand I, pages of this book picturing him one way. And now you want me to spend the last most important parts of the pages of the book picturing a stranger. <laughs> anyway, and then I showed her some of Lamary's art. And then she was like, okay, that makes sense. That's a Kaladin shaped person. Yes. She wouldn't believe me when I said he had muscles. I didn't say he didn't have muscles. <laughs> I'm saying he 
doesn't have Dwayne the Rock Johnson muscles. Right. I wasn't saying that either. Okay. <laughs> I'm so worked up about this and so upset. I don't know why. I've got to calm down. I'm so sorry. I I'm know. I'm so sorry. I know it'll drop your energy level. I'll read no, the don't end. do that either. <laughs> I actually have a little bit of an interview with Brandon that I want to read to you. Okay. Um, so... One big reversal is when readers realize that most of the main characters probably don't look like them. Most readers don't make that connection for quite a while. I like the idea that as you read, you assume that the offbeat Seth is the other, and Kaladin looks like you, when in reality, Kaladin is an Asian, Middle Eastern mix, while Seth is Caucasian. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you read it in Taiwan, then the characters really look like you, mm -hmm. and Seth is the oddball. Uh, I wanted the first cover not to show somebody's face because of that reason. Oh. It's hard to get the covers to align, though. In the UK, the cover is basically a white guy on it. It's not that the cover artists don't want to. It's just they don't quite make the connection or it doesn't get through, like, communicated well enough. In the case of Michael Whalen, I was so happy to have him that I didn't want to go to him and say, by the way, can you make his skin darker? We will get better at this as we progress. This is an, this is an older interview after the book had just first came out. Mm -hmm. And so one of the roles that Isaac Stewart has as art director for Team Dragonsteel is he makes sure that any official commissioned art from here on out has the correct skin tone for the characters, the correct uh, eye formation, the eye shape. There's um something I've mentioned earlier, but the Alethi have what are called epicanthal folds, mm -hmm. and that's the particular means the, the skin of your upper eyelid is smooth from, like, the innermost corner of your eye to the part of, like, the, the eyebrows nearest your nose. It covers the innermost edge of the eye. Uh, they're also known as monolid eyes because there's no crease or fold separating the eyelids into two sections. Most brick fantasy books have what you and I have in the past just called fake history. What do we call it? Eurocentric fantasy? Mm -hmm. when. Really, the the term we should have been using all along, and I think we've agreed to use from here on out, is Hollywood history. <laughs> um, that we picture, oh yeah, everybody is, you know, everybody's Caucasian, except for the evil bad guys who are the only people of color in the book. Mm -hmm. When in the world of Roshar, there's a whole world full of different races um, and different cultures, but we've seen you know, in the interludes and going across Roshar that this world has a lot of different, like, body builds and skin tones and diversity built into it that some of it is reflective of our own world and then some of it is reaching into the fantasy and beyond, you know, with the, the characters that have the blue skin and the blue nails and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I like it. I like this world. I like this fantasy world. Yeah. That it's not just basically Europe, but dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 66, Codes. I'll start with an epigraph. That chanting, that singing, those rasping voices. Cocktock 1173, 16 seconds pre-death. A middle-aged potter. Reported seeing strange dreams during high storms oh. during the last two years. Oh, singing or seeing? Seeing. Okay. All of a sudden I thought that was a Parshendi thing. And... Who sees dreams during a high storm? Dalinar. And this potter. And this kid. Or son. Middle-aged potter. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I've ruined everything! You haven't. You haven't. You're doing a great job. You first read Kaladin's description 
a year and two months ago. Mm-hmm. You're fine. Okay. I I'm love still you. mad about this. Don't, that don't I w- be mad. Don't be mad. Listen. I don't Calm know that I yourself, can, Iago. Don't know that I can change the way I see him. That's I'm okay. sorry. That's okay. Okay, guys. I'm sorry. I'll just send you more pictures of how Kaladin really looks and the beautiful artwork that all the fans have done of him. Okay. Because I can't go look it up. You can't. Forbidden. <laughs> Forbidden. So Kaladin is doing first aid for Scar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teft is still here on the battlefield, even though he got shot. shot. He's helping out with the, with the water things. Mm-hmm. And Kaladin realizes what Sadius is doing. Yes. Well, first he thinks, because everyone's retreating, and he's like, oh my gosh, Sadius must have died, because that's the only reason this would be happening. And he's like, but all the flags are still up, so they're making sure no one panics. But he's they're... like, Moash, come with me. <laughs> he's very excited. And then, yeah, he does. He he fully picks up on what Sadius is doing. So Kaladin is all about honor. Yeah, like he is. he is all about honor. He basically <laughs> farts honor. <laughs> That's how that <laughs> And so the idea that we're leaving men behind is so foreign to him, but the idea that we're leaving eight thousand men behind to die for no reason. I thought he was going to go and confront Sadius about this. I thought this he, was going to be a big thing where he shames Sadius into staying. He marches right up to him. Yeah. But um, instead, instead he hears Sadius say, I told you, old friend, Sadius said, voice soft but distinct, overlapping the distant screams. I said that honor of yours would get you killed someday. He shook his head. Then he turned his horse, trotting it away from the battlefield. Like, this bleepity bleep is just leaving his friend and 8,000 men to die for personal gain. What is happening? Nothing good. Nothing good. It's so enraging. Okay, listen. Remember how I said in the last podcast, the last episode, that when I watch books, read, that when I watch TV, movies, read books, I like to read it for the emotion um, this got me heavy with a lot of emotions. This, this rage and helplessness of, you know, what Dalinar must be feeling and the coldness of Sadius and just how he doesn't care. <laughs> I have a friend and she is a writer and she's been a reader for her whole life. And the first time she read Anne of Green Gables and spoiler alert for Anne of Green Gables just so you guys know, you can skip ahead if you want. Matthew dies in Anne of Green Gables. Rough. My friend, she told me, she was young. She was probably eight, nine, something like that. She said she sobbed for hours over oh, Matthew's no. death. Because to people like us, you know, all of us, listeners and everybody, when you read a book and you get into it, these people feel like your friends and you're going on adventures with them and you are experiencing what they're experiencing. And the way I remember the story is her mom was so concerned she didn't want her reading books anymore because <laughs> she's like, they're not real. And even to this day, she and her mom have this conversation a lot of book characters aren't real. Why are you so worked up about them? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, you do, you're going on adventures with these people and you're in their heads and you're feeling what they're feeling and you're going through what they're going through 
And that's how, like, you can experience new things. And when Carrie Fisher died, this was this 2016? Uh, it would have been just when Rogue One came out, so I think so. Okay, I'm going to probably mess this up. But 2016, like, if you guys remember, celebrities died in, like, a ridiculous number. Like, Alan Rickman, David Bowie, like, just, it seemed Prince, like, it seemed like every few weeks there was a celebrity that had died. And it was very sad because you're like, oh, I knew him in this or I recognized her music. But it wasn't like I knew any of these people personally. So Rogue One had come out and I think Carrie Fisher had died like the day before or like two days before. And I'd already had tickets to this movie. And so I'm going to give you spoilers for the end of Rogue One if you haven't seen it and if you care. Um, At the end, they have computer generated Princess Leia from A New Hope Mm -hmm. who, you know, says, who says a line like now we have hope. Yeah. I burst into tears and was inconsolable. I didn't cry in the rest of the movie. It's sad. Everybody dies in that movie. But when she came on screen and was talking about hope, and I grew up watching the movies, reading the books, I'd read all the books, and I felt like I knew, not Carrie Fisher, but Princess Leia. It was kind of a weird a weird thing. But just when you you find people that you connect with, I'm waxing way too long about this, but suffice it to say, this book has moved me and these are real people in my mind. So emotionally, this book is going to wreck me. I'm really upset about that already. Even if Caledon isn't Shut up! Don't you think you're past the most emotional part? No. Do you think there's anything in the last 70 pages that'll just kill you? Yes, I do. I still think Dalinar's going to die. Because he's got to talk to Sadius. Oh my gosh, you guys. Okay. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I hope you've read these chapters because I doubt my ability to get this across to you to how, like, phenomenal it was. (laughs) But we're going to do our best. So pleased. Yes, I am. Uh, And so Kaladin goes over, and I cracked a joke to Emily while she was trying to read that the only reason Kaladin walks over to Sadius is so we can have a point of view character there (laughs) to hear what Sadius is saying. Um, But... What is Sadius's farewell to Dalinar? I already read that. I'm so sorry. I was looking up that interview because I knew it existed. I listen. You know that I love you, and I love this book. <laughs> that was important to you. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So, so we, he with, overhears him. <laughs> yeah, and then we go to Dalinar and Adolin fighting, and Adolin <laughs> is just like, I told you. So he says that multiple times, and then we get more paragraphs, and then he repeats it again. I told you, Dad, basically. If any of you have ever watched, um, if any of you have ever watched Battlestar Galactica, there's these robots called Cylons that basically are coming to destroy the human race, and at one point, the humans think they've escaped, Mm -hmm. and everyone's kind of, like, lowered their guard, and they're just going through space, and everything's good, and there's this one character that's like, no, they're gonna come back, we should be prepared, and everyone's just like, what are you talking about, you old fool? And so when they eventually do come back, there is a screenshot that I just love, and someone has just, like, it's a screenshot of this guy just looking at the commander with the words, I told you in big letters and then the next picture down is that face even bigger i told you and even bigger and i just see adolin just like the camera pushing in i told you i told you i told you dad because like sadius convinced them to 
commit more of their forces. Oh my gosh, yes, this Sadius, was the long con. Yeah, Sadius suggested the exact battle plan that would make Dalinar do his forces first. They've been working together for weeks at this point. Mm-hmm. So Emily, how long do you think Sadius has been planning this? Oh my gosh, I don't know. And and do you think, I mean, you can't predict where a chasm fiend will pupate. Right. But uh, how much of this was pre-planned and how much of this was... You know? Because, okay, skipping ahead to the end a little bit, Dalinar is, you know, trying to think how is he going to handle this because, and we'll talk about the reasons why he can or can't do things. But I believe that Sadius's plan was, oh no, we were overcome in the battle. I'm going to step in and take care of the rest of Dalinar's forces because I can feed them and clothe them and do all these things. And in like one fell swoop, he will have like, exponentially increased his soldiers his income his everything he will control two war camps like this was not a spur of the moment i mean we we know this it wasn't a spur of the moment decision i but how um, long it has taken him to do this i'm trying to think of like like probably before we even meet him to to clarify i don't think he would get to keep all of dalinar's men because renarin would become head of house right and dalinar is so he's not sad that renarin is going to be the high prince he is sad that he has not kept his promise to his son to get him shard blade he did however discover one regret he was leaving poor renarin as colon high prince in over his head and surrounded by enemies grown fat on the flesh of his father and brother so he is not mourning for himself. Like, he's fully accepted he's going to die. Yeah. He's mourning for the legacy he has left his son and the danger he's leaving his son in. And I love that his final moments aren't, I don't want to die. I mean, he doesn't because he's like, I just got Navani and there's <laughs> all this stuff that's going on. For the first time in my memory. <laughs> but I just love that his, his like, quote unquote last thoughts are, my son and his, you know, and the legacy he has left his son and, and if his son is going to be okay. I love that as a father, that's what he's worried about. And speaking of sons, as mad as Adolin is, oh, yeah. he tells Dalinar, you are right to follow the codes. You were right to try and unite Alethkar. And I was a fool for fighting you on it every step along the path. Yeah. Because they are. He knows that Adolin is so angry at him, but he's... Like, they're united together. They're like, we're going to die here. All our men are going to die here. We are going to make a final last stand. And it's going to be horrible. So now we're going to move on to chapter 67. Okay. Words. Let me no longer hurt. Let me no longer weep. Die, Ganarthus. The black fisher holds my sorrow and consumes it. Tenatasak 1173. 28 seconds pre-death. A dark-eyed female street juggler. Note similarity to sample 117289. Interesting. Do we have 117289? Are they in chronological order? Maybe. <gasps> oh. Okay, so chapter one we see is 1171 pre-death. That one's 1171. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but we are in year 1173. We might have mentioned that in the last in the last episode, but that's what year we're in. Yeah. Okay. So this is eleven seventy two eighty nine. Ooh. Hey, I'm gonna. This is this is not related. <laughs> um, 
I want to read you a epigraph back from chapter four. Okay. I'm dying, aren't I? Healer, why do you take my blood? Who is that beside you with his head of line? <gasps> oh, I, no! I can see a distant sun, dark and cold, <gasps> shining in a black sky. Is the dark crystal the sun shrunken down from Gavilar? Right. Is that the crystal that, that Seth didn't take? I don't know why Who I would tell you. Who has the crystal? Uh, Seth took it from Gavilar when he died. Oh, I thought he left it. No, he took it with him. Okay. Um, but he hasn't he hasn't got it on him currently. Okay. Man, maybe I should just go through at the end of the book and just make you read all of the epigraphs again. <laughs> nope. Sorry, I don't I don't have a I don't have a specific one for that. Sorry, I guess I could have found it if I did. But anyway, um Moash steps up beside Kaladin. They're all bridge four, they're all watching Colin's army. Mm-hmm. Uh as the Parshendi literally surround them. Yeah, they're they're stuck in a circle. Like it's not like they're fighting in lines or in formations. It's they're surrounded on all sides and yeah. Yeah, and uh but bridge four, they have to obey orders. They have to leave the battlefield even though they're falling the farthest behind. And mm-hmm. Matal is like, Come on, come on, we gotta go. And then Kaladin, a light bulb turns on, <laughs> a spear glows above <laughs> Kaladin's head. Emily, what's Kaladin's new plan? Um so he tells Matal, hey, we're coming. Go without us. We'll catch up. His plan is they're going to escape this very minute. Like, this is the opportunity that has been presented. Gift wrapped, bow tied, you know, the two from tag tied on it. It's Christmas time. Mi- uh, middle fest <laughs> is the... Oh, is that what it is? Candle bites. Um... <laughs> uh, Middlefest is what Kaladin... Remember way back in the beginning when he tears up that dude's map and yeah. he throws the confetti at him? He goes, happy Middlefest, you bastard. <laughs> and it's going to work. They're going to be able to get away. They're going to pretend that the Parshendi overcame them and they're going to, I guess, throw the bridge down the chasm and like... They're going to use the bridge to get over all of the plateaus to get out of there. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep it. They're going to keep it and they're going to they're gonna escape. And then Kaladin's like, oh wait, oh wait. I have to go back. Just me. Oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, yeah, you guys go ahead. I'm going to go back for everybody else. And they're like, absolutely not. And he's like, grab the only way. Grab that knife. Wound me. I'll tell everybody else you all died. Because, you know, we have other bridgemen. Mm-hmm. We have other bridgemen back inside. He says, we have Shen. We've mm-hmm. got, you know, everybody. Here's the thing. How does Sadius think he's going to control this narrative? He has eight, no, he has 7,000 just soldiers mm-hmm. who have observed what's going on. I know they're scared of him, but, like, and all these bridgemen, was he going to do a mass execution of, like, the the bridgemen so in, to ensure that no one would talk? Because how often does a soldier get to talk to a high prince and be like, guess what really happened? I mean, I don't know. Okay. So... But, but, like, people well, talk. Like, people it would get talk. around. It would. I just, okay, I think Sadius thought this through right up until the aftermath. Okay. I don't think he, he, I don't know what his plan was. I'm, I don't know. See, and I think at this point, Dalinar was so, not disliked, but everyone was so irritated by Dalinar at this point. The that codes, don't drink, always wear your armor. I think a lot of people wouldn't have looked twice really yeah you think they would have believed that 
I don't think, Dalinar's. I don't think okay. they would have believed him, okay. but I think people would have just gone along with it because you know what? Mm. It's better. It's better this way. Don't Ew, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that either. <laughs> so as Kaladin is like, we're going to escape, we're going to escape, Bridge Four is like, but we could go help them. Mm-hmm. Rock says, this thing is terrible. Can we not do something to help? And Kaladin's like, absolutely not. We would all die. Mm-hmm. Scar asks, you know, we could go back a little bit of the way. And Kaladin says, no, no. Like, if we stayed out of range, they would just think we were spies. And he's trying to convince the Bridgman, this is our chance to be free. And Emily, Kaladin has done his job too well. He has remade the Bridgman. Yes. Uh, We were just talking last episode about how, you know, just weeks before... They would have been happy to throw the weaklings in front, and now they are volunteering for the most dangerous dangerous missions. It's a sports anime, you guys! (laughs) And then there's one more person. Oh, this part made me yell so loud because Syl's there, but she's not tiny Tinkerbell-sized anymore. She's Julia Roberts Tinkerbell-sized. And her heart has grown 12 sizes that day. And she is staring out and also watching the battle. Mm-hmm. And it's horrible for her. Yeah, it's, it's, this, okay, this is one of the most interesting lines that I feel is been in the book. It says, she stared eastward, her expression horrified, eyes wide and sorrowful. It was the face of a child watching a brutal murder that stole her innocence. I think that is one of, like, the most touching sentences I've read in this book so far Mm. and Mm. and you know Mm. (laughs) what's Mm. you do not agree with that nothing i'm doing a reference people who've listened to the audiobooks will get it Mm. what is it nothing you'll understand later okay um i want to know now don't make me hate you again such violence gosh (laughs) do you feel the thrill So they have a conversation and she says, are Windsprint attracted to the wind? She asked softly, or do they make it? And I was like, oh, is this confirmation? She's a Windsprint? Oh. I've always been told she's a Windsprint yeah. throughout. Yeah. It was assumed she was a Windsprint. But instead. Instead, she says, I've remembered what kind of sprint I am. And he's like, do, do we have time for this? Like, <laughs> there's a lot going now? on. Now? <laughs> she says. I bind things, Kaladin, she said, turning and meeting his eyes. I am honor, Spren, spirit of oaths, of promises, and of nobility. And she's been attracted to Kaladin because he's made of honor! Honor! So, going back to Dalinar's last vision, I'm going to read you a paragraph, and I'm not going to ask you any questions about it. I'm just going to read you a little paragraph. Well, they talk so about honor, can... Spren, not being... Ahem. Yeah. Ahem. Our own natures destroy us, the regal man said, voice soft, though his face was angry. Alakovish was a surge binder. He should have known better. And yet the nail bond gave him no more wisdom than an ordinary man. Alas, not all spren are as discerning as honor spren. Honor spren! And Kaladin has, listen, oh, this chapter is so visual. I love it. I love it. I want to see this put to film. I love I that. Storyboard this. I think you should. <sighs> I don't have time though. What? I know. 
I love this. Okay, when I say love, this part of a book or movie or whatever is always difficult to view, watch, whatever, because it's when your characters have everything in their reach. Everything they've been working towards and it's there and they have to make a hard decision. Sometimes it's written poorly and you're just like, no, you could have done both things. Like, you know, but in this case, very clearly, whatever choice they make, they cannot go back and redo or, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. they, they just can't. And so this thing that they've all been working towards is within their grasp, but they know the right thing is to go help the army and that has been left all alone on a plateau they cannot get off of left to die and this moment i love the writing on page 1140 i can't read a whole page out loud <laughs> listen we we don't have time we have other things to do tonight but the way that the writing intercuts between this moment with Kaladin looking at Dalinar's faltering blue banner and remembering Amaram's green banner faltering, mm -hmm. that this is literally the same choice he made. In fact, he's going to go save Dalinar from a shard bearer. Mm -hmm. And history is literally repeating itself. Yeah. And last time he did this, his squad that he'd trained were all killed and now he's going into it with another squad and the stakes are even more dire and he does it anyway <sighs> so dalinar is is really struggling he's losing a lot of stormlight from his plate and you asked me how do they fix it because like it's getting cracked and leaking stormlight mm -hmm. and this was mentioned way earlier in the story but if you feed stormlight into stormplate it will reform and, like, heal itself sort yeah. of thing? Okay. Like, this is probably one of the reasons why Navani ah! hasn't been able to replicate this with, you know, Fabrials and stuff. It's like, this is magic beyond what they have. How close are we to Tien? Oh, we're, we're far. We can, we can go now. We'll, we'll pause now. Do you want to... I'll go let him out. You do... No. You think, okay. I'm going to tell you. No, I'm not listening to it. The audience... No. I'm not listening to it. I'm not going to go into great detail. I'm just going to... I'm gonna... not listening to it baby and uh as dalinar is feeling that he's about to falter and about he's about to go down uh he's he's even like cursing sadius with his last thought his last breath <laughs> and then he sees a bridge a bridge appears a wild bridge appears a wild bridge appears <laughs> and he points it out to adolin and the cullens are gonna punch through the army just to get to that one bridge so Calvin's out in front of the bridge wearing his Parshendi armor. Mm -hmm. It's so good, you guys. It's so, it's so good. good. And as they're running, the Parshendi have all of their arrows trained on bridge four. And what does Calvin yell? Side carry! And they get to do the side carry because if not, they're going to die. It actually works. It works. Oh, like, and they haven't practiced it for weeks. But Kaladin calls it out and his well-trained bridge, but they just do it. <laughs> and the bridge works as a shield and catches all of the arrows. Mm -hmm. But even though bridge four remembers this move, the Parshendi also remember this move. And there oh. is a even larger force of them. They basically decoyed them into flipping the bridge on its side because they remembered that the bridges had done that before, and now the bridges are 100% exposed. And so Kaladin digs deep down, deep <laughs> down, and he pulls off a reverse lashing 
That's huge. Okay, so Emily, I want you to imagine. Okay, you know that scene in Return of the King where Gandalf is riding off on his horse and it's a way far wide shot and this beam of light comes from him? Yeah. Okay, I want you to imagine a beam of light shaped like a cone that comes out like this, right? Okay. And it catches all the arrows in it and then the light sucks back into Kaladin and the arrows follow that cone shape and they all just... <laughs> into Kaladin's arm. And it says over a hundred arrows, an entire volley pulled into a single shield. So good. Like cinematically, like, what is happening? These are going to be such good movies. <laughs> oh, I hope they do. I, I look forward to these movies and or TV shows, whatever gets made. Mm-hmm. Well, the Parshendi are shocked, but they also know something. Yeah. What do they say? They speak. We've never... Have we ever heard them speak? Well, they speak before, but... Yeah. And they sing all the time. Yeah. They say, Neshua Kadal. Those Nesh- are two words. Neshua Kadal. Neshua Kadal. Hey. And then... If you listen back to our podcast, uh-huh. I say Neshua Kadal a couple times. When? I don't know. You'll have to listen. Uh, so they say that... And then they flee. They run away. Go away. <laughs> run away. <laughs> I and so, like, people are shocked, but they're like, we still have to save these people on this tower, so we have to keep going. So the way is cleared enough for them mm-hmm. to, like, at least start getting this tower or the, the bridge over yeah. the chasm. But Kaladin is not doing too hot. No, he's, if you guys remember earlier, after he used Stormlight, he goes into shock. And he has used more Stormlight now than he ever has before. And he's just, like, he's not dying, but, like, his skin is, like, pasty white, gray. And, like, all the arrows that went into his shield broke it. He's got some arrows through his arm at this point, too. Yeah, Like, Rock catches him. (laughs) Yes. And so um, they're like, you stay here. We'll go take care of it. And Kaladin's like, He stays back with the wounded. He stays back with Teft and the Lopin. And is, is Dunny there? I mean, Dabit? Dunny's dead. I know. I meant Dabit. Oh. And even his wounded bridgemen go to help. Mm-hmm. I gotta help. And Kaladin is listing everyone who's died. I can't get to them. They'll die right in front of me. Tux, dead. Nelda, dead. Goshal, dead. Dalit, Sen, Maps, Dunny, dead, dead, dead. Tien. And Callan has, has a flashback. And Emily's just looking at me. And I want you to know I'm going to tread very carefully. I'm okay. just going to give you the facts of what happened. So here, really quick. What she did is she put a little sticky note here that like briefly lists what happened. And she let me skip this chapter. I'm going to sit here with my ears covered. Okay. You have to edit the podcast. <laughs> don't make him don't make a mistake cuz I'm going to skip through this part. <laughs> the information is okay, for you. Okay, no. You just tell them. I don't want to hear it. Okay. 4 months into Amaram's army. Stop. 4 months into Amaram's army. Uh, there's a battle that goes very poorly. Now, Tien, like Amaram had promised, was part of the messenger boys. Um, but during this battle that goes really badly, Kaladin is trying to find out where Tien is. And unfortunately, um, 
all of the messenger boys were drafted into the reserve squad used to bolster the lines of soldiers where people were missing. And so Kaladin is running through this whole battle. This isn't about Tian. I have to tell you something important that happens to Kaladin. Okay. Emily's unplugged her ears for just a second. He kills his first man during this battle. Oh. As he's running to find his brother. He uses his spear and he kills someone for the first time. Okay, cover your ears again. Poor Emily. She's very delicate. And uh, Kaladin is running to find Tien. And he sees him with, with two of the other messenger boys. He sees him, but he's not able to get to him in time. And the brothers make eye contact. But unfortunately, Tien is cut down. And he is holding his brother's body after he's died. And it's so sad thinking about how he's saying, I couldn't protect him. Please let me protect him. Make me strong enough to protect him. And he's telling him, don't worry. Uh, I'll protect you, Tien. I'll bring you home. And again, this isn't, a, Emily's unplugged her ears. This isn't about Tien. Um, the squad leader who made the decision to send the messenger boys to the front says something to Kaladin. And so Kaladin says, you bastard, you put them in front. You work with what you have, Varth said, nodding to his team, then pointing at a fortified position. If they give me men who can't fight, I'll find another use for them. He hesitated as his team marched away. He seemed regretful. Gotta do what you can to stay alive, son. Turn a liability into an advantage whenever you can. Remember that if you live. Yeah. All right, we did it. Emily, you did it. Good job. Did it. Compared to... Stuff coming down the line. Oh, no. Was that soft kisses on a summer's day? What? No, not quite that. It was sad, but I bawled my eyes out at three different points in Rhythm of War. Oh, no. One of them was joyous, happy tears. Okay. <laughs> Two of them were not. <laughs> so just be prepared. Okay. I'm not going to let you skip all the character deaths. I understand that just Tien was too much. That's fair. Some guy named Tien. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Kaladin's back at the hollow and he is still getting hit again and again and again with the ideas of everyone he's lost and how he wants to protect them. And still is trying to urge him to do something. She's trying to get him to say some words yeah she says words capital w like this is some some destiny yep so calvin picks up a spear he still he gets shock. a spear he picks up the spear and that's when i knew things were gonna be good he's still in shock he's still wobbly bridge four is trying to put the bridge down again we have one of these incredible cinematic moments okay so like I can see where the camera's cutting in my mind's eye and I can like feel the rhythm of like bridge down. It's sliding across. You're hearing it grind on the rock below. And this is like something we've heard time and again. And the, the men at the front of the bridge are folding around so they can support it and push it across. And then you hear the clump, 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 clump of Kaladin sandal feet on top of the bridge. He's still wearing the sandals that he got from the man who died that first day. And they look up and they're like, Kaladin, don't. And he's got a spear and he leaps just into the bright blue sky across the chasm. Because the bridge isn't all the way over the chasm yet. Right, and he does a leap across, and he lands, and he's ringed by the Parshendi. He's used up all the stormlight in his pouch. Emily, what stormlight does he use? They have the jewels in their beards, and he just goes... 
And Emily, what are the words that Kaladin says? I will protect those who cannot protect themselves, he whispered. The second ideal of the night's radiant! What? <laughs> then what happened? What does Moash say happened? <laughs> Something changed. And Emily's reading this and goes, No, Sherlock! Because <laughs> Moash is like, states the obvious! <sighs> Something's changed. Can you let Moash be Kaladin's foil in peace? No. <laughs> Kaladin explodes with light, a living storm of steel, wood, and determination, and he starts tearing apart the Parshendi. Oh my gosh, so good. Oh, it's just that moment of like, there's no hope, and then the coolness factor gets turned up by like, 76 degrees and mm-hmm. you just are sitting there going oh, what's gonna happen next what is gonna happen next oh so kaladin's amazing uh-huh. he's amazing and here's the thing like you said the parshendi remembered the bridge side carry mm-hmm. once they see that he's like sucked in all the stormlight from the jewels in their beards they start sending people to him that don't have storm light in their beards because and hair they know yeah they know but he has a spear and we come to understand that stormlight doesn't give you things that aren't there it enhances what you have and it perfects what you have and kaladin is already the greatest spearman in roshar that's my (gasps) humble opinion and so he is no match for anyone. But the thing is, the spears can't keep up with him. So Lovin has to keep tossing him spears because Kaladin keeps shattering them. But he's taking out swaths of people. And even though Lovin is his support tower, Kaladin notices that the Prashendi are only engaging Kaladin. Mm-hmm. They are leaving the wounded Bridgman alone. They are only focusing on the Bridgman who fight. And Kaladin is going through kind of a similar sort of realization that Dalinar was going through as well. Mm-hmm. That... Okay, yeah, we've been told that this enemy race are just mindless, bloodthirsty warriors. And Kaladin's realizing they have a code of ethics. And and, and they're keeping to it more honorably than the Alethi Light Eyes do. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. kind of getting, like, his worldview shifted in the middle of, like, his worldview has already shifted. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... The other Bridgman are just amazed by this. Mm-hmm. And we we break through the Parshendi. Sorry, the Kalins and their forces break through the Parshendi. And it seems like they're going to make it off the tower. And then who comes onto the field? Wait, can I interject something yep. really fast? So they make it to the Shattered Place. They made it to the Shattered Place. <laughs> <laughs> so remember we were talking earlier in some earlier episodes where I was like one of my least favorite tropes is having to like convince people to be on your side or like Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons I hate I really don't like Moash is he took so long to be pulled over to Kaladin's side I don't know what he's been through you know what you don't have all the facts which are I love him stop (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna tear us apart (laughs) so Dalinar has broken through the ranks and he says, the little force of bridgemen held the bridgehead, fighting desperately against the Parshendi, who were trying to force them back. It was the most amazing, most glorious thing Dalinar had ever seen. Dalinar's on our side already. Yeah. I yeah. love this. Because 
We don't have to convince him the value of these people. We get to uh-huh. speed run the friendship. Uh-huh. So that's what I was really, I just really liked that. Yeah. Um, and then someone comes onto the field oh, to challenge Oh, it's a Parshendi in shard armor. Shard plate. We're 1,100 pages <laughs> into them. They could be shard the same Shard plate thing. is right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> and um, Kaladin mentions a little later when, when he sees this foe that he can tell it's a Parshendi in the shard plate, even though they're all covered, because of the proportions of the limbs. Oh, are they? Don't they have longer limbs? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. I... Oh, sorry. Is that too much for you to Shut imagine? Shut up! <laughs> Why am I doing this I with you? Because it's the best book the you've best ever book read. I've ever read. Listen, okay, listen. I know this was all amazing, and Calvin jumping in there and all the stormlight, the Branderlanch and Oathbringer literally blew my mind. Ooh. I put the book down and I put my face in a pillow and just screamed because I knew I would never have the time. To put it in artwork. But then Lamorite did. Y'all, if you've read Oathbringer, she did a full comic of the Oathbringer, Branderlands, and it's incredible. It's awesome. We'll talk about it in three years, I okay. guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the are so long. Okay, keep going. Um, I can't remember if we talked about this before, but um, it's, it's basically what happened the day that Amaram betrayed Kaladin. Before we get to that, okay, we've seen this shard bearer before. We've seen this shard bearer before. Hasn't Talonar seen them at a distance? Oh yeah, like at a distance. Yeah, and and he mentions later he finds it interesting. He's like, "You're here now. Like we're about to win." You thought that was the wizard. I did think that was the wizard. <gasps> Wait a second. We didn't do the epigraph for this chapter. Yes, we did. Chapter sixty-eight. Eshenai. Nope. Okay. Can you read that out loud real fast? No, 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 no. Leave it okay, here. It's okay. good. They named it the final desolation, but they lied. Our gods lied. Oh, how they lied. The Everstorm comes. I hear its whispers. See its storm wall. Know its heart. Tana Tanes, 1173, eight seconds pre-death, an Azish itinerant worker sample of particular note. Okay, what's this chapter called? Eshonai. What the heck is an Eshonai? I don't know. Me neither. It's not important. You are insufferable. I know. I hate this. You're going to have so much fun re-listening to this podcast when you finish all ten books. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I have committed things that I have not understood until this moment. Okay, Emily messaged me today. What did I say? Maybe it was yesterday. And you were like, hey, after we finish all ten books, can we do like this super special retrospective episode talking about all of them? And I was like... Sure, if I'm available in 15 years. <laughs> I just want to talk about it. It's really, really cool. Yeah. So this Parshendi comes to challenge Dalinar. And Dalinar's like, why didn't you do that at the beginning? He's just very confused as to why they are doing this now. Because, you know, it would be, it makes the most sense to go take out, like, the two shard bears we've got, Dalinar and Adolin. Mm-hmm. And why didn't he come earlier? And why did they let all these men come and, like, fight him? Yeah, and so he comes to the conclusion that uh, maybe they let uh, Parshendi without shards challenge shard bears because, like the Alethi, they let them try and do it. And that the reason this this Parshendi shard bearer has stepped in is because the Kalinza punched through the army and they may get away. Mm -hmm. But Dalinar's 
armor is literally falling off his body. Mm-hmm. And it's getting so heavy because you remember you have to put the, the shoes on first because if you try and put the armor on from the head to toe, it would like crush a man. Mm-hmm. And so Dalinar's losing pieces, bits and yeah. pieces, and it's cracked and leaking stormlight and he has to go fight this Parshendi. Fresh! Yes. Full of stormlight in there. And he's tall. Yeah. Taller than Dalit, even. (laughs) How tall is Dalit? Well, the use of even would indicate. (laughs) No, you didn't get up. I I only said that to be mean, not because that's what I really think. (laughs) get a five in confidence <laughs> you told me on the podcast listen school's not for everybody <laughs> all righty so dalinar's basically thinking like i'm probably gonna die here i thought i was gonna live but now i'm gonna die and but then Kaladin still uses dalinar still uses a bunch of really cool tactics yes like but, uh, you're you're interrupting me for the first time in many, many months, I said months, I was sorry. Kaladin felt fully awake and alive. Like, he is experiencing not the thrill, but something like unto it where he feels like himself. Like, he is fully Kaladin. What's his face? Stormblessed. <laughs> Stormblessed. And just, oh, it just feels like all the pieces have come together. And this is what I've been waiting for the whole book. Because I'm just like, okay, we can't let Sadius know what he can do, and it's so stupid that he has to keep it hidden, and now it's out in the open, and he's doing things he didn't know was possible, and he's glowing, and the Parshendi are afraid of him. Woo! It's a good book. It's a good book. Okay, so Kaladin has fought his way mm-hmm. through the Parshendi and has made it to basically Dalinar's leftover forces, and he's like, Who's in charge? And they're like, well, this guy died. And he's like, okay, who's the second command? They're like, well, he died. And he's like, well, who's this? Well, he's dead too. Like this, I don't know how many, part, or I don't know how, I don't know how many Alethi have died, but basically a lot of them have. At least 12 dozen. <laughs> At least 12 dozen out here. Uh, so Kaladin takes it upon himself to just promote someone and be like, yeah. you have a field promotion. Here we go. <laughs> like they, they bring him to the one officer that's alive and Kaladin sees the stomach gut wound and he's like, yeah, who's next? <laughs> like he knows this guy's going to live. Yeah. And he's promoting people and they're like, how? Cause he's a dark eyes. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, do it. And they're like, Okay. He is a dark eyes, isn't he? He is. The only way for a dark eyes to become a light eyes would be to take someone's shard plate. And he hasn't done that, so. I mean, he has. But I guess he just has such an air of authority that they're listening to this dark eyes mm-hmm. man with dark eyes. Okay. Give them commands. I feel like you're foreshadowing something. No, I'm not. <laughs> so he's he's giving orders and the men will not retreat because Bright Lord Adolin and Bright Lord Dalinar are still fighting and Kaladin basically like face palms and he's like I could have gotten away but no we have to be honorable <laughs> and he goes out to save the Colins. Hey where's Syl? She's with him. Oh, okay. I thought that's what she was. Right? We see her as a leaf on the wind for a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm a leaf on the wind. <laughs> 
So Adolin meets Kaladin, and this is where Megan completely destroyed everything that I've ever held dear That's in my not life. True. <laughs> and so he basically, because Adolin's like, I'm not leaving. It's not honorable. And Kaladin's like, screw honor. He doesn't say that, but he's like, you have to leave. Go. I will save your dad. Because like, is this the one that he says? Your men won't leave without you, and my men can't leave without them. Mm-hmm. So, like, go. Move. Move your number seven down the track. I don't know that reference. It's my fair lady, but she says, move your ass uh, in polite society. And growing up, our mother's mother, our grandma, she didn't want to say that word, so she just said the number of the horse. Move your number seven down I the track. I never knew that. Okay. So Dalinar is in trouble. Like, he is in big trouble. He's, like, fading he, in and out of awareness. Jesus. He's yeah. got a headwind, but he's still using really great tactics. And this mm-hmm. is what I was trying to say before, is that he's not just doing the lightsaber battle, ting, 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 with hitting the swords against each mm-hmm. other. He's cutting the rock out from underneath his opponent's feet, and he's mm-hmm. disturbing his opponent's stance and all this stuff. And so, At one point, doesn't he, like, get a rock, like a boulder, to fall on the dude and, yeah. like, crushes a bunch of the shard plate? Yeah, and so even though he's not in any kind of advantageous position, Dalinar Kalin, the Blackthorn, is holding his own against another Shardbearer. A fresh Shardbearer. And picked right off the Shardbearer (laughs) tree. And this is where a lot of this is done so visually. Like, it's hard to, like, it's hard to give adequate description of what is happening. Just know that, like, the emotions are very high and it's really cool. The writing um, is so clear and so writing, cinematic. Yeah, it's oh, it's beautiful. Kaladin comes in and starts attacking the shard bearer and is winning with against a shard bearer and he just has a spear. Like he's finding all the cracks, all the places, yeah. and like takes the guy down. Kaladin even says, remembering his last fight against a shard bearer, against Amaram, mm-hmm. he goes for the cracks in the armor. Yeah, yeah. And he's not just kind of, like, leaking stormlight. He's glowing stormlight. Like, he's he's the nightlight in the middle of the day that shines very bright. Um, but Dalinar has a concussion, mm-hmm. a head wound, and yep. doesn't quite believe what he's seeing. Doesn't quite register what he's seeing. Yeah, because nothing like that could really be happening. Nothing like that's ever been seen on Alcar, at least for a while. Yep. And so Dalinar's like, they're getting him to safety. And he's like, a bridgeman fought a shard bearer with a spear? No. What is, what is Sadie has been training you all? <laughs> right. Dalinar, you're so dumb, buddy. You're so dumb. And he's like, why did Sadie send you back? <laughs> he's so hopeful that his friend has honor, that his friend must have changed his mind. And Kaladin's like, we were running away. We were escaping his army. Now we're going to die. Thanks to you. We saved you and now we're dead. Thank you very much, Colinar. What's his face? Dalinar Colin. Dalinar Colin. <laughs> and Dalinar tells Kaladin that I will take all of your men to my camp. I'll make Sadius free you. Mm-hmm. And Kaladin is like, sure, Jan. Yeah, like, he's I like, know what the promises of Light Eyes are like. He's like, that's also never going to happen. Like, Sadius is not going to let you do this because mm-hmm. we directly disobeyed an order. And we know that if you disobey an order from Sadius, but it ends up good for him. He doesn't care. But this is not what Sadius wanted. <laughs> no. I love that it's happened in threes. That it's 
Kaladin diso- not disobeyed, but the side carry, the initial mm-hmm. side carry, bad, bad, bad. Second thing is the um, armor, which turned out well. And then the third time he goes against Sadius, it is in a huge betrayal. And Kaladin is just certain that they're all doomed to die. And this, okay, this last page is opening up so many interesting things. Can I? I want to read a little bit. Okay, you you do it. Um, If that's the case, the spearman said, by taking us into your camp, you commit robbery. The king's law, the codes my men always claim you uphold, would demand that you return us to Sadius. He won't let us go so easily. I will take care of Sadius, Dalinar said. <gasps> oh, return with sorry, me. Sorry, read that again. I will take care of Sadius, Dalinar said. Return with me. I vow that you will be safe. I promise it with every shred of honor I have. Honor! The young bridgeman met his eyes searching for something. Such a hard man he was for one so young. Because what does Kaladin think of the promises of light ice? That they're empty. Um, but he's basically like, what are you going to do? Like, cause here's my initial thought is you go run and yell to the skies in the middle of all the war camps. Sadius is a traitor and you know what he's done. He's betrayed everything and left Dalinar, who's the king's uncle. Like he's, he's in line for the throne and, and you know, Kaladin's like, if you keep us, it's going to mean war between you. Like this does not just have a battle implication winning or losing a battle this has the history turning point of yeah alethi momentum mm-hmm. because if he and sadius go to war it's they're right back where they started which is all the high princes are warring against each other and they're not going to be united again and that would shatter alethkar yeah and it's going to destroy the colon house yep like there are so many um there's a specific term i want like fallouts, there's so many consequences Consequences to this betrayal. And I love this because it's not just that was a bad thing Sadius did. It was here's the 1800 reasons that these are bad. Who would Elokar side with? I mean, I would hope. Okay, here's what I think. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Elokar is going to side with Sadius because Sadius is the one who's taking him seriously about his fears about being assassinated about Mm -hmm. there being you know people where there shouldn't be and especially if he finds out that dalinar and navani are dating he will probably feel very betrayed but i think so i think elokar is going to side with sadius and i think once word gets out yasna is going to side with dalinar and that the kingdom is good as schism and she's like my stupid little brother doesn't know anything yes all right and the then they just have to kill all the no, I was about to say, kill all the men in line for the throne, but uh, that's not what we want to have happen. One thing, I can't remember if we said this, um, Dalinar sees Kaladin working his medic work, and he's oh, like, right. a man trained in field medicine among bridgemen? Well, why not, Dalinar thought. It's no odder than their being able to fight so well. Sadius had been holding out on him. Do you remember Dalinar's very, so stupid! Do you remember in our very last episode when Kaladin was like, Sadius, you don't know what you have in these bridgemen? Mm-hmm. Dalinar knows. Dalinar gets it. Final line is Sadius had upset the balance and it can never be regained, not in the same way. Yeah, nothing will be the same again. Like this is a huge turning point and there's no going back. There's no, oh, I'm sorry. Is that what happened? We left you. Oops, we didn't mean to. I'm just trying to think. What was Sadius's 
Okay, Sadius is driven by gain. Uh-huh. Why is he going to gain by this? Was he hoping to be the king's advisor? Was he hoping to step into Dalinar's shoes? Like, I have a hard time believing that Sadius has done all of this planning without having the next steps all laid out for him. But there's no way he could anticipate Dalinar surviving. Like, how is he going to spin that? <laughs> I don't know. Don't look at me. Do we find out in this book? Who knows? Ah! Not me. But oh, I am fascinated and thrilled by Brandon Sanderson's writing and the direction he's taking <laughs> this. I'm so really awful thing though i have nothing in my life that i can offer you that compares to this and so all the rest of my sister made me view it saying it's gonna be so dumb that's not true i mean i don't know what you know that i don't but i'm excited to do uh victoria schwab's dark duet duology i know but listen she's brilliant but this is (laughs) maybe you could write a book (laughs) Maybe you could finish that book we're always talking about in our episode opening and closings. Because a lot of writers will just have like, here's our, here is the one thing we're working towards. And Brandon also has the luxury of being able to write, you know, 10,000 pages, not just mm-hmm. 10,000 words, but 10,000 pages of a story. Yeah. Um, but the idea that instead of working towards one thing, there is a spider web. And every time you diverge a little bit, more spiderweb happens. And the story just gets richer and richer and richer and more and more alive. And it's just really cool. I am so pleased (laughs) that you like this. I do. I mean, I was liking it before, but Mm -hmm. this chapter, like, oh, it... It's one of those things where if you're not a book reader and you you think that these people aren't real people, I mean, technically, they're not real yeah, people. Yeah. I get that. Okay. Yeah. But wow. Wow. On such an epic, grand scale is humbling. Yeah. Oh, so good. Good job, Brando Sando. <laughs> and that this is only book one. It's only book one. And he's got to raise the stakes and up the ante in yeah. every single book after this. How? So... We have one more chapter in part four. Just a single chapter? In part four. And then we have all of part five because there's no interludes, remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. So, Emily, do you remember who all of the narrators from part four are supposed to be? Uh, We had Adolin, Dalinar, uh, Teft, Kaladin, Gaz. There is one more narrator that I promised you when we started part four and we haven't heard from yet. Navani. Oh, is so this... chapter 69 is called Justice yes. and it's going to be a multi-viewpoint chapter. Okay. So we've just finished part four, which is Storm's Illuminations. And then the rest of the reading will be the rest of part five, mm-hmm. uh, which is The Silence Above. Ooh. And while we don't have interludes, Does part that show up? five is structured like an interlude. Oh. So here are the narrators for part five. Shalon. <gasps> Yay, finally. finally. Dalinar. Awesome. Kaladin. Cool. Seth. Yes! Wit. Yes! 
<laughs> so I'm so excited. I thought he was going to disappear for the rest of the book. He was just like a cameo. And um, this is not required reading, but I do want you to know that at the, the end of the next book, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, this book. We're going to talk a little bit about the Ars Arcanum, which is a little bit of magic and info and stuff. Okay. Um, but Emily... Proud of us for doing an hour-long episode <laughs> after two two hour-longs in a row. I think our last one ended up being three without anything being cut. Sorry, oh, guys. Man. Uh, but it's exciting. So exciting. So we are going to read chapter 69, Justice. Chapter 70, Sea of Glass. Who's, who's Sea of Glass? I'm going to say that Shalon. Chapter 71, Recorded in Blood. That's got to be Cat. Oh, it might be Shalon because she... She soul cast stuff into blood. Chapter 72, Baristatalian. Oh, okay, that's a Shallan. I'm guessing too many Shallan chapters. You are guessing too many Shallan <laughs> chapters. Chapter 73, Trust. Kaladin. Chapter 74, Ghost Blood. <sighs> chapter 75, In the Top Room. Ooh. This is a lot of chapters. They're only like two to three pages each. The room where it happens. And chapter epilogue. Of most worth. <gasps> That's a Kaladin chapter. Is it? It is. Mm-hmm. It's a Kaladin chapter. Is it? You are insufferable. I am. Listeners, I can't believe it. We finished the first book in the Way of Kings. Almost. We will almost finish. Well, are you going to go to bed without cracking this book open? Yes, I have to get the next episode ready. Then when I come home tomorrow, I can just read it and we can podcast about it. I want you to read Navani's point of view. I do, too. I have stuff to do, though. What if we just read one chapter? Okay, we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, thank you all so much for listening. You guys are the real treasure <laughs> that we made and found along the way. Um, We'll talk about it more next week, but we are planning to do a quick read of Warbreaker in between books one and two, um, just to sort of flesh out emily's cosmere understandings Mm -hmm. because i've read half of it those aren't going to be as in-depth but you are all welcome to read along with us and then we will get into it now emily you only guaranteed me that you wanted to read the first book but after this i'm done okay Uh, so there's no way i can convince you to read words of radiance (laughs) i don't think so well i guess i'll have to pick something else All right, uh, I love you all, but I have got to get back to writing. Do you? I do. You are writing. That's right. I write as well. I have many multifaceted. I am a true scholar. (laughs) Like, yes, Nicolette. And I got to get back to editing the next episode so we can get it out on time. I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready? Break. Adolin Colin, he bellowed. Who are you? I'm the man who saved your life! Sexy. <laughs> I'm here to rescue you. No. You're a little short for a stormtrooper. You're a little short for a shard bearer. <laughs> Just kidding, Kaladin is a large in stature. He is? Kaladin's a big boy. Since when? Since always. He's born of goodly parents. <laughs> this. He's is very muscly. Messy. At this point. 
with my whole view of the book. Doesn't have to. Uh, Calvin's been picking up a giant bridge for eight months. No, I don't see it. Okay, but you don't have to. <laughs> Imagine what you want. Weirdo. <laughs> you must not have a very good imagination. <laughs> no, I drew him scrawny. Yes, that was my inspiration for him. That's how I've pictured him this whole time. Oh, good. That's how I picture him. Hey. You can keep picturing that. Hey, I just, I don't know. I'm really thrown off by this. Sorry, I ruined everything about you your life. You did. He's I large in stature. I can't picture him now. You've, I, I'm thrown off and I can't picture what's happening. No, just picture you've always pictured. Okay. I'm so so delicate. Thrown off. It's okay. No, it's not. No. I have to like figure out what he looks like. Okay. Do I want to pull up a picture? No, I'm gonna keep reading. You know, I've drawn him like eight million different ways. Right? Yeah, I've only seen the one. That's not true. I I'm not saying that he's eight miles wide. He has a lot of muscles. They're very defined and muscular, but Why did you wait like... until the final battle to tell me all of this? They said! They don't! Oh, come on, Ella, he's been carrying a nine million pound bridge. I want you to picture Michael Phelps. So tall. Kaladin. So is Kaladin! No, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's the sort of yeah. like, body type. He's got picture. muscles, but I didn't say he didn't. Stop trying to change my whole... You said you couldn't picture it! I said the other one was fine! That's the same You just threw me off so hard, I was in it, and all of a sudden I was just like, what does he look like? Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to that episode. Emily, I'm sorry I was a bad tour guide and didn't tell you that Kaladin was six foot ten until it was far too late. What are we going to do? At least you'll picture him correctly ginormous for Words of Radiance. Am I right? Oh, everyone, I had a lot of barbecue for dinner and now I am sleepy. Very sleepy. But I'm staying up because I got to get this extra intro outro i gotta get this outro done special thanks to michael biancardi for use of his song a passing storm as our opener and closer song and special thanks to you listener for coming back and doing another episode it just my heart's so full now that i'm thinking about it, it's getting so close to the end of the first book and we're closing out the first season on roswell and it just makes me happy so Join us next week on Thursday, May 19th, as we continue our Roswell 1999 coverage. But then the week after that, May 26th, we will be back again with the final episode of our Way of Kings coverage. Oh, uh, how exciting. But can we survive the two weeks it takes to get to the next one? We can. We can. And do you want to know why? It's because I believe in you. Have a good one, everybody.